0: Get ready for your download so you can live life happy. I'm your host and addicted to reading, Andrea Seidel. Hey there, Andrea here. This is Fascinating Friday, and this is where we have fascinating people talking about fascinating things and everything to help you live life happy. And I have such a great guest on the show today. Kelly Miller is here, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her. And uh, so Kelly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a
1: stay-at-home mom, but also a business owner who lives just outside of DC with my wonderful husband and two teenagers. I uh, am a positive psychology practitioner, coach, and teacher, and author.
0: Yay, fellow positive psychology practitioner! Whoop whoop in the house. <laughs> <laughs> So today we're gonna talk about anxiety and some coping strategies around anxiety. It's kind of your forte, and in fact, your children's book was completely written around this to help parents as well as children. And uh, we're gonna get to that, of course, and and share the knowledge that you share in that book as well. But at first, you know what, if you think about what we're all going through right now with COVID-19 and, you know, the shift in what's going on and the uncertainty that comes with a lot of what's going on in our world, um, a lot of us are feeling quite anxious or feeling a little bit nervous or just uncertain. Um, can you talk to us about, you know, anxiety? Like what exactly is anxiety? Sure. Anxiety, an
1: undiagnosed anxiety is a normal reaction to our brain actually scanning our environment for things that can harm us. So all of the things that were being shown every single day and all the talk about it deadly virus and all the uncertainty in the government situation and all of the, you know, uncertainty about economics. And there's a lot out there that really could do us harm. And so our brains are just on kind of overload scanning our environment for things that really could harm us. And it it causes a physiological response that can be really uncomfortable and without having coping skills to be able to tackle that discomfort, it really can snowball into something that gets really a lot worse and requires more intervention than, than what uh, I usually offer. <laughs> but you can stop it in its tracks as long as you're really working toward um, being really aware of what anxiety is and being able to just pump the brakes on it.
0: Ooh, I love that express, expression, pump the brakes. So also what I'm hearing you say then is that anxiety is actually a very human, a very normal reaction to uncertainty or to uh, things that are happening potentially in our environment that can be harmful. And I know in the positive psychology world, right? It's like we are wired, our brains are wired, that negativity bias, our brains are wired to see the negative or to see the potential harm because it's part of our evolution, let's face it, right? If we didn't have that Mechanism built in, we would get harmed or hurt, or, you know, um, or like, so we would face extinction. So the reality is, is that you're saying too, that this idea of anxiety is first recognizing that it is a psychological mechanism that's built in and wired into our brain, um, but that we can pump the brakes on it, that we can actually get, get, gain some control. So, okay. So we know that that, that's the factor. So what are some things that maybe other than, that, you know, that real life, like situations that are, were meant to keep us safe. What are some things that maybe cause anxiety that maybe shouldn't be causing anxiety? Or I don't even know if that's the proper way to say it. What do you, what do you think, Kelly?
1: Sure. I think because you know, this anxiety is old programming and in in a new society that really doesn't require the, um, the level of fear that we're in. So, a lot of what children are experiencing is social anxiety, which is being unsure of what to say, how to say it, how to show up, what to wear, what to look like, how to, how to behave, what to think. All of these types of things and trying to fit themselves into a box and trying to fit in actually raises the level of anxiety inside of themselves instead of being able to allow themselves to show up as their true authentic self.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. So yeah, so social anxiety, oh my gosh. And you know what, not just in children though. So I also like, you know what, like we're scrolling through Instagram, we're comparing ourselves to the best representation of other people, right? And that whole, that idea of social comparison is so huge right now with everybody, you know, on these these apps. And like, uh, so social anxiety, I like, that is such a huge thing. Can you tell us a little bit more about social anxiety and where it might come from? And What it looks like? Well, the only real
1: purpose of comparison, the only time it really does us any good is when it gives us a plan to improve ourselves.
0: So Say that again. That is so good.
1: (laughs) I'll say it again. Comparison is only good for us when it gives us a plan to improve ourselves. So if we're going on social media and simply admiring and saying, oh, look how beautiful or look how wonderful this person is doing and looking at it as proof that we are not enough, that's when the comparison problem really starts to arise and I, I believe that children are just lacking the skills of self-worth that help them build it up on a daily basis and so they're instead looking to these instagram people who are actually working quite hard on social media to to have this image be be per, you know pursued on on that uh, platform whichever one you choose they work very hard to to look a certain way they work hard to to you know all the filters and all the things that are used all of these things they work really hard to put themselves out there in that way but you know so that's that like iceberg thinking underneath all of that beauty is all of this hard work and so comparing yourself image to somebody else's is just it's kind of a waste of time because we're all so uniquely beautiful and really the beautiful thing inside of us is what we need to pursue a little bit more heartily.
0: Oh, I love that on so many levels. So really looking to others and, and using comparison in a way that's very positive, in a way that's inspiring. So, you know, when you're comparing yourself to someone else, more looking at them, and I always say this too, is like, look at them for like inspiration or a little like, hmm, more of that for me, please. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah, like it's almost like, working? what are they doing that's working? What can I, you know, what can I do with myself that will work for me? Absolutely so Mm -hmm.
0: true and yeah it's so funny because sometimes I mean like let's face it like when we're scrolling through and then um sometimes I'll look at like people who do inspire me but then I'm like thinking oh my gosh I should be doing this oh my gosh I should be doing this I need to be doing lives I need to be doing this like it's like it's amazing how that creates this sort of stress response and this visceral reaction in myself tight shoulders and like oh my gosh and then I have a bit of anxiety around it's like all the things because you're
1: shitting on yourself and we need we need to not shoot all over ourselves.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And just for the record, she's not swearing. She's saying shooting, shooting on ourselves. (laughs) It's an Anthony Robbins expression, right? So we're shooting all over the place. (laughs) We should do this. We should do this. All right. So social anxiety is more than just social comparison. It's also that thing of how to show up. What should I say? Um, I mean, even now, like even on zoom meetings, it's like, okay, how do I look in the lighting that I'm in? Like, you know, so social anxiety, not just in children, but also adults as well so Mm -hmm. what would some coping strategies be for some social when we feel a little bit anxious socially
1: well I would say number one before getting on the zoom try to to uh, put some things into action that calm your your body so taking that physiological response down before you even get on is a number one priority and havening, of course, I'm, you know, havening, I'm sure you,
0: you've spoken about it a million yeah, but times. The listeners may not know about havening. You explain. <laughs> yes.
1: Havening, havening to me is a, one of the most useful um, responses to like that physiological response of anxiety. So it, it helps to crosswire your brain to uh, enable your parasympathetic nervous system to become active and start to really work. So the way it works is by crisscrossing your arms, touching your shoulders and rubbing down in one direction until you start to really feel that calm, mm. <laughs> start to come over you. So that's one that I always use. I use it before I go to the dentist because <laughs> for me, the oh, dentist gosh. is really anxiety inducing. So I, I will sit there in the, uh, the waiting room and just haven myself before I have to go into the chair
0: and you know what mothers do that naturally right and fathers too I shouldn't like sure. exclude it's just like naturally just rubbing you know their arms like oh you, like you know it's okay like you rub them from the shoulder down just to calm yeah. them and so when really it's too, and rubbing, rubbing the back, back. so <laughs> beautiful and I have heard it too from your forehead down to your temples and you your
1: know, palms too your palms yep. and palm to tip yep
0: yeah, from the heel of your hand to your fingertips is yep. very calming, and yeah. so the idea here is to stop the hijack of the brain going into the stress response. You're saying, and to really get into that parasympathetic nervous system where it's calming. Um, yeah, anything else? Well, a lot
1: of one very very popular coping skill that people use a lot is the five, four, three, two, one. So it's noticing five things, listening for four things. I think it's smelling three things or touching three things, but it's all the five senses. You do it in whatever order you want, but it's the five, four, three, two, one. So listen, look, touch, taste, hear, and you do it.
0: Beautiful. I love that. So that's just like, okay, what am I smelling? Yeah. What am I, you know, what am I seeing? Like, it, and what that, that idea too brings you into the present moment. It makes you mindful yep. uh, and, and takes your mind to a place that like not going off on rumination and worry and, you know, yeah. like catastrophic thinking sometimes when we go down that route, right? Um, and I love the brain to get
1: that prefrontal cortex working and that rational thought. Absolutely. Charging forward instead of the fear response,
0: yep. Uh, yeah and you raise such a good point too when we're in an anxious state or we're feeling we're in that stress response it's amazing how that amygdala hijack we're not really thinking logically we're not using that um you know that ceo of our brain that that logical portion of our brain anymore so in you're saying the first step really is to gain some um, calmness or bring yourself maybe to the present moment connecting to your senses yep. and uh, just calming the body with things like havening and like, you know, um, gentle rubbing and yeah, that's an amazing strategy.
1: breathing too. Breathing is what, you know, my, my daughter uses. It's really her go-to, I would say is taking those deep breaths, but it doesn't work for everybody because sometimes it can re-traumatize. So you have to be really careful with, um, you know, teaching kids breathing because sometimes they can start to rapidly breathe and actually make it worse. So Ah. making sure that you teach them how to, you know, count their breaths and so deep breathe in for five and then out for four to be able to help them really understand what what their body is supposed to be doing usually that helps if you're doing it before there is a stress response so they know how to
0: (laughs) yes okay so you raised something really important here kelly is like what do you do like when it, you know what, it just takes over like that. And I mean, I don't know if like if I've had a uh, panic attack I've had, like I used to, I actually missed a whole year of school one year because of crippling anxiety. So I can relate to this subject really, really well. So, and for the listeners too, that have had a panic attack or where there is that amygdala hijack where you're in that panic and that stress response where you you know, you feel like you can't breathe. And um, what So beyond breathing, like, are there other strategies for you? So connecting to the senses, like what you're saying, the secret is to maybe don't let it get to that point. So how do we prevent it from getting to that point? Cause yeah, I don't want it to get to that point. (laughs) It's not comfortable.
1: Yeah, it's, it's uh, quite something really takes over the whole body. And that physiological response really feels like you're going to die. It's a horrible thing to have to go through or to watch, your child go through. Um, so yes, I would say that in the moment is almost too late to be able to calm mm-hmm. because then you have to just wait for it to pass almost. So I do feel as if practicing these things when things are calm, practicing them regularly and consistently throughout the day, it actually gives you a, a a regular trigger for a calm response instead of a regular trigger for a panic response. So it's something that you do consistently every single day and you're learning how to, to handle your, your thought process and that emotional response throughout the day. So that if something does trigger you, that maybe that response is not so heightened. It's not so large that you can't be able to say, okay, whew, I need to take that breath for a minute.
0: Yeah, Okay. So really, really, it's about practicing um, strategies, coping strategies when you are calm or when you have a little bit of anxiety percolating, um, Mm -hmm. taking back, you know, the let's talk about those mental pathways or let's talk a little bit about triggers and maybe um, some sort of psychology that we could use that might help. Sure. So, uh,
1: I'll use my daughter's example. She, she used to be terrified to talk to a waiter. It used to be something that would really, she wouldn't be able to physically speak. It would terrify her so much. It was so sad to watch (laughs) so little, but it used to terrify her so much. And when it happened, we, we consistently encouraged her to do it and just say, okay, you're safe. Number one, you're safe. Take a breath and take your time. So there was no pressure put on her during that time. We'll start with somebody else, but we didn't also allow her to fall into that escapism where she wasn't having to face the thing that she was afraid of. Because when kids are allowed to fall into that escapism type of behavior, then they're actually not learning how to overcome what's, what they're scared of. So you know, taking the pressure off in a lot of ways to let them know that they're safe, that it's okay to make mistakes, that they're going to learn from whatever mistakes they might make. Those are really uh, important steps in in lowering that anxiety level.
0: Oh my gosh, you raise so many amazing, beautiful things here. So I, a, a few things come to my mind based on what you're saying is, first of all, I love the idea of saying I'm safe, or even for your child, you're safe. Like, you know, and it's, it's amazing how just feeling that feeling like I'm safe. This is okay. Like, you know, no panic attack that I've had in the past, like actually, you know, was fatal. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, or like kind of like saying, okay, no, I'm safe. Like, um, and then also just taking a deep breath and like getting present in the moment. And then also I love the piece that you added about take your time. Just take your time. It's like, it's like it adds that element of patience and permission to be human and allowing. And then the other piece that I love that you said is this not... Allowing a child, for example, to escape from uh, something that does build anxiety, and also maybe even doing that for ourselves, like not allowing ourselves to escape, right? Because the bottom line is, it reminds me too of that expression about um, snowplow parenting, where they try to remove all obstacles for their children so they they don't have any of this stress or they don't have any of this, like you know, these obstacles or challenges in their way. But what happens is, is you're saying is that allowing them to fail forward, allowing them to struggle well and allowing them to have that idea of like learning these coping strategies is really important. As we know in the positive psychology world, it's the keystone to building resilience, right? Like life isn't going to be sunshine and butterflies all the time.
1: No, so, certainly not. So yes, I, I, that's 100% in. If we're not giving our children an opportunity to feel the pain almost, we're robbing them of resilience. We're robbing them of their own power to, to overcome.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay. So how do we build that resiliency muscle? I, like I'm hearing you say it's wonderful to, you know, calm the body, learn coping strategies such as calming, havening, um, breathing, deep breathing, learning how to breathe properly when you are in a calm environment already. Um, And then also, talking to yourself, that mental, you know, the cognitive pathways, like talking to yourself and self-talk being, I am safe, I'm okay. Uh, You know, take a deep breath, be in the present moment, take your time. I love all those, those strategies. So is there anything else you want to share around this whole idea of, you know, anxiety and coping strategies for anxiety? Yes, um, I I believe that
1: no individual person will have the same coping skill tool set as another person. I truly believe that, like not all tools work for every individual. And so giving a ton of options to children and adults is really, really important to find the right one that works for you, because there are so many cool things out there that you can try and so many new strategies that people come up with all the time. So one of the things that we do a lot is to have a a, like designated worry time. We have the, it's called the worry jar. Oh, I
0: love it. The worry jar.
1: Yeah, so if there's something that really pops up, but we can't deal with it in that moment because let's face it, we have busy lives. We're all dealing with a lot of things and juggling a lot of things, but we don't want to dismiss any of the worries to say, oh, well, just don't worry about that because it may be something that the kid needs to talk about, right? Or an adult needs to talk about. So having a, a jar to be able to write it down, separating it from ourselves and put it in there when we have time to be able to sort it out is actually a really powerful thing that we use at our house.
0: That is such, because that also brings us to the discussion about rumination and how sometimes, uh, and what's it called for fortune telling or story-making, like we make up stories or we predict the future that maybe it's not probably going to happen, but we make it way worse and we think it's oh, going yeah. to yeah. And the worry, like the rumination, sometimes we go over and over the same thought over and over again, that it actually creates that stress response in our body. So I love that you're saying that it's like, okay, like make, like write down what it is that you're worried about and like we're going to designate worry time we're not going to let you worry all day long yep. you know because it's going to rob you or it's going to put you into that stress response so let's have time like isolated time where let's let's talk about this concern let's talk about this that is so that's such a great strategy yay yay <laughs> which is <laughs> <We're I>, helpful <laughs> yes yeah, very helpful and I do feel like it's a segue to talk about your children's book that you wrote
1: Sure. It's called Jane's Worry Elephant. And I wrote it because uh, during the time that I was training in positive psychology at the Flourishing Center, my daughter um, and the year before had started to really suffer from panic attacks. And I had no idea as a parent what to do. I had no idea how to help her. And it was, you know, I'm I would put myself in a strong category. I don't usually experience anxiety. I'm pretty tough. I I don't think about, overthink things. I just go and do things and just you know see what happens. Well, my daughter's just not like that. She's a different person. And so I've always definitely held her to, okay, we at least have to try. We at least have to try, even if it's scary, we we have to try, we have to try, we have to try. And so it just got to the point she had been homeschooled for a while, and I think the social interaction at school became really overwhelming for her, to the point where it was hard to get her to school on time. There was no bullying situation or trauma that was present. I could like I just I I went through all of the checklists that, you know, like well, I don't understand I don't understand why this is the reason. <laughs> There's nothing I don't get it. And so finally, it got to the point when I w- witnessed her first panic attack, and I was like, "I am. This is beyond the scope. I need help. I need more help." Mm. And so, luckily, we had gotten her um, a therapist who was. She, she had suggested medication, and I'm not against medication, but I really wanted to exhaust all other possibilities before I gave medication to my 11 year old, who wasn't even, you know, she's 11. She was, she was little. And so she was very open, which um, that really helped me feel comforted and it helped her feel comforted and heard. And so we started during this time to develop some coping mechanisms with her therapist, But I was luckily training with positive psychology at the time. And so we developed a whole bunch of them for her. And it finally got to the point where she's like, Mom, do I still have to go? Because all she wants to do is talk about my problems. And I don't want to talk about my problems. I want to talk about what's next. I want to talk, you know. And so we felt blessed to be able to have been held during a time that was really stressful. But we felt very empowered together, and so that empowering story was what inspired us to write Jane's Worry Elephant. We wrote it together. Uh, it, we were blessed to have an illustrator who also had experience with his family that had anxiety, and he he donated his time and effort in these beautiful illustrations. For
0: and it's book. so beautifully illustrated too. It's it's such so a cute, pretty. cute book. Oh my gosh! Yes,
1: <laughs> and so well. That's when it became this thing. I didn't, I was really, as I was writing, it was just going to be a, a, my final project for the training, but we just kept going and it became a mission to really help other families not have to go through what we went through.
0: And that's the key, right? That, that book can change lives and it really offers support to other parents that, you know, maybe they notice their child is anxious and they're, maybe they are saying kind of similar things to like, like, why are you not tough? Like, and just for the record, if you have anxiety, it doesn't mean you're not tough. <laughs> right, right,
1: and right? It, Like, why aren't you facing it? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so and, it and that was my thought process, but she was very common. Uh-huh. Yeah, her number one character strength is perseverance. So it tells you how tough she is. She was still persevering even though she was in pain with anxiety. So she is tough.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and resilient, right? And this, so this is so beautiful. And now I know everyone's gonna want to grab a copy of your book. It is available on Amazon and everywhere where you can purchase books. So um tell us how people, because I know they're gonna want to contact you as well. Tell, tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you.
1: My website is a brighter purpose coach.com. And I don't know, you might see we have a funnel going out right now. We're starting a new workshop for teenagers in uh, mental toughness. And that it's called Defense Against the Dark Arts. And it's a Harry Potter theme that we're using to be able to teach all of these fun skills and resilience to teenagers.
0: And just for the record, all anyone who's listening and there's suddenly a Harry Potter fan, their ears just perked up and they were like, what? <laughs> Yay. And of course I'll have all the links on in the show notes and on my website. So um, people can definitely access you and, and find you. And thank you so much for all the work that you do. I know that uh, it, this is a wonderful resource for so many people. And of course they can reach out to you for coaching as well and, and support that way too. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kelly, and sharing your wisdom.
1: Sure. Thank you for having me. It's been delightful. Yay.
0: Well, there you have it. What a wonderful episode. I am so excited because I'm going to do a book giveaway. It's book giveaway time. So Jane's Worry Elephant is... Going to be the book giveaway. So, if you take a screenshot of this episode and you share it to your social media or share it to your story and tag me in it, that way you're going to enter into the draw to win a copy of Jane's Worry Elephant by Kelly Miller. And I'm so excited. I'm not going to give just one, two, but I'm going to give three copies of this book away. So, please, please, please do take a screenshot of listening to this episode and share it to your social media, and that will enter you into the contest to win a copy of her book. So that's Jane's Worry Elephant and it's available on Amazon as well. And Kelly Miller is such a pleasure and she was so awesome having on the show and I would love to support her. So thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. If you like this podcast, it's like personal training for your mind. You've got to come over to my website at andreaseidel.com where I take all these books and I hide them in this big, massive vault. There's hundreds and hundreds of books in there for you to learn and discover and grow from. So I really encourage you to head on over to my website so you can gain access to this vault. We're just waiting for you to read. Also, if you've been thinking about writing a book, or, you know, you've lacked the time, maybe the focus and the know-how to get it done, or you've been wanting to publish your own work, well, look no further. Spend no more time wasting trying to figure it all out because I'm your girl. I am a book doula. I actually help people painlessly give birth to their books through book birthing. So let's turn that dream into achievement through birthing your own book because books change lives. So head on over to my website to find out more about that as well. Be sure to subscribe here so that you get the latest episode and of course, share this with your friends, more of you, because it really helps grow the show. And finally, I just want to thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm just so grateful that I get to show up and read all these books and share the learning experience with you so until next week i'm sending hugs